Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Okay. Right, go. Hello and welcome to the Great Indoors. No, I'm not that ready. Hold on, where's the thing? <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's layers of ready. Right. <laughs> okay, now are you ready? I'm ready now, yeah. Are you? Are you sure you don't need a wee? Oh, God, don't say that. What have you done now? You've said that. I'm going to need a wee now. Oh, God, are you? I'm OK. I can hold right, it. Right, I'm going. I'm, are you ready? Yes. All right. Hello and welcome to the great indoors. Oh, could you know what? I haven't got my glasses on. This is desperate, isn't it? <laughs> I might have to go and get them. This is like bloody Dennis Norton's It'll Be All Right on the Night. This is Outtake Central. Oh, God, sorry. Hold on a minute. We need some plinky plonky music for the interlude. Da, 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 da. <laughs> oh, she's back. See my plink? I've been playing plinky plonky music while we waited for you. I can see you now. Now, we're through all the levels of ready. You're in the duvet den. You have the equipment. Have you turned it on? It's on. Numbers going up. I'm, I'm here. You got your glasses on? Yeah. Right. Can I just say, I am now going to say this line for the third time. I'm not doing it again. All right. Okay. If you're not ready this time, there's no first line. Oh, All okay. Right? Oh, okay. <laughs> ready? <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. Now, first off, some very helpful info about our sponsor, Neptune. Did you know they offer a full home design service? Well, how does that work then? Is it like having your own personal interior designer come round? Well, it is a bit. They can help you with the whole house from a single room to a new build house project. And they provide hand-drafted drawings and mood boards. And the stylist then kicks off your project and even stays in touch with you throughout the whole design process and will come over on the day of delivery to help you unpack and style everything. That's a really good idea, isn't it? I mean, that would help make sure you've sort of brought your whole vision together as you planned it, rather than getting sidetracked by all the pretty things and sort of losing sight of what you were aiming for. Absolutely. If you think the home design service might help with a kitchen or any other room design, then book an appointment via Neptune.com. Now then, what design services are we offering via today's podcast then? Do you see what I did there? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so we have a really joyous interview with the lovely Gordon Wistance, who is the design producer from the flagship TV show BBC's DIY SOS. Uh, we'll be revealing the secrets of creating a focal point. And our star surgery is all about how to add a little bit more interest to your new build. Okay, focal points then. Hit me. <laughs> because I'm You're being guessing. very demanding today, Kate. I, <laughs> I feel like I'm back in the duvet den. It's a hot day. Boss throughout this whole podcast. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> Do you know why? I'm, what I'm going to say is, I reckon you've probably got a focal point system, whereas I'm a bit more instinct, and you're oh, going to okay. have some. Do you do not, you don't have a focal point theory then? You're you're. I, are you winging it? Are you winging your focal points? I'm 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 going to take issue with that phrase, winging it. Right. Um, I am going to say that I perhaps don't have a theory as such written Making down. Making it up. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> do you just want to do this podcast on your own? Because I'm feeling that's where we're getting to now. It's been just... four months of lockdown. <laughs> I think we might just do them alternately. The Sophie Show and the Gate Show. Do you not think of focal point? I always so I always think of a focal point when I'm designing any room. So yeah, you know, I might start about thinking about the mood and the feeling and the colours, but I'm quickly moving on to when it comes to layout and sourcing stuff for the room scheme is what is going to be my focal point. Now it could be any manner of things, but I think the headline here is Kate Wilson Smythe, take note. You need to think so I've got my pen. <laughs> She's got a pen. <laughs> you need to think about it. It just helps bring the room together. And as you walk into a space, I think it's really nice if your eye is drawn to something, preferably something across the room. So, for example, sometimes we might use colour to do this. A highly patterned armchair or an armchair in a really strong colour, you know, imagine like a red velvet or something. But in the far corner of the room just helps bring depth. I'm sounding really, really poncy interior design now. And well, it's sounding very the theory. Um, yes. I mean, I, I, I like your theory. Do you know I, what your focal point is in your living room? Can you guess what it is? Because you've got it's a... It's my br- palm tree lamp. Yes! You see, you do know No, you know see, it. I know what it you is. You know it. I know what it is and I would... I know what I'm doing, but I wouldn't necessarily know how to explain it like you do. Let's go with that. But I think... With some rooms, they suggest themselves, you know, when it's a kitchen, it's got us, it can be with the purpose, can't it? You know, so it might be you have a fabulous, as you say, you going for a red velvet armchair or you might have a patterned sofa or it might be something that is related to the purpose of the room. Yes, obviously on a practical point, but I think decoratively, let's just talk decoratively first. So, for example, your brass lamp works, I think, because of the scale of it. So that's another way. So so the, my red armchair yeah. example is how you can use colour to draw the eye. The other thing you can use is scale. And what's so fabulous about your brass floor lamp is it's enormous you know it's a really (laughs) yes it's it's well over six foot tall it's well over six foot tall and it's got these great big excuse me i'm just crashing i've just knocked my microphone over sorry about that sorry did i interrupt your theoretical flow (laughs) do carry on i'll just be here knocking things about i hope that's water you're drinking it's a bit early for the gin and tonics it is water is it okay 
Anyway, so your giant palm tree, it's the scale of it with its huge sort of brass fronds. And I think it's got some giant light bulbs on there as well, hasn't it? So it's really like, look at me piece, isn't it? But the key is, I think, is, and this is really hard for someone like me who's a maximalist to admit, is you don't want too many focal points. This is when the room can all become a bit too hot mess. If you've got too much stuff jostling for attention, a really jazzy rug, a really big lamp, a fabulous piece of art, where if you get too much, they kind of cancel each other out. Although, no, I, you see, I think you can have all those things, but they would just, for me, not all be in your maximalist colour combination. I kind of do it. So without your very expert theory, I suppose... I want to walk into a room and feel that there is, yeah, one particular thing that's drawing my attention and you can tell if it's not there. So it might be a palm tree lamp or, yes, it might be a big work of art. I also like to do it, if you can, slightly unexpectedly. So, you know, lots of people would maybe wallpaper the walls and then have a kind of plain, sensible sofa. And I quite like the idea of keeping the walls plain but having a really patterned sofa. Oh, you like that idea, And that, that could idea, be your you? statement. You created quite a focal point with your heavily patterned sort of mid-century modern armchairs in your library snug. Yeah. You know, it's, it's again, it's like drawing the eye to the thing that you want the attention on. So I think that's the other thing to ask yourself. It's not just about the object. It's also about asking yourself, what is the room's best feature? So I always think if a room's got a really amazing view to a garden or lovely French doors, yeah. I might hang some really brightly coloured fabric or a blind at that window to draw the eye towards the window rather than just saying... Whereas I might just paint the window frames black and leave them plain to draw the Mm. eye to the window. So there are different ways of doing it for those who might not necessarily be of Sophie's maximalist viewpoint and she would be appalled at my somewhat more minimal viewpoint. But there's two ways of achieving the same thing. Yeah, for sure. And then say, for example, if you've got a really lovely period mantelpiece in your house, that would be potentially a really nice place to hang a gorgeous mirror or a big piece of artwork. If you've got quite an ordinary mantelpiece, maybe you want to wallpaper the alcoves in a strong colour or a strong pattern to take the eye away from the fact you've got a really ordinary mantelpiece. So it kind of works both ways. It can be easy in a bedroom, can't it? Because I think your focal point might very well be the bed. So obviously I'm saying that because I'm recording from my duvet den, leaning against my quite extravagant bed head, which yeah, is quite which, comfortable. Well, I it's might very say. tall and button back and velvet and Yeah. So it's big, very luxurious. It? And that and you know, the bed, particularly in a bedroom, you know, that's gonna be the biggest thing there. But again, if you have a, a simple bed with no bed head, then you know that's a place where you can wallpaper behind it or paint. You can sort of you know, do paint effects, can't you, behind beds? So you Ooh, can, can you take paint, a, Tell me about paint, paint a bed head. Well, um, what I mean is paint a broad stripe up the wall that oh, okay. would act as a vocal point or act or anchor so the like bed. So like a banner of colour. Exactly. And about? you could, I've seen it done, brought over the ceiling as well. So it's almost like a canopy. Oh, yes, that's a nice in paint. idea. And I think that that can bring some real drama to a bedroom if you've got a fairly plain bedroom with no features or, you know, nothing interesting going on. Yeah. What about kitchens, though? Because kitchens, there's a lot going on. And obviously, the purpose of that room in its broad terms might be cooking. And you don't want the oven to be your focal point. Although maybe if you've got an arga, maybe you do. Mm. But Yeah, that's the question again, isn't it? I think if you've got yeah. an arga, you probably absolutely do because they really are the heart of the home and just so beautiful. 
And well, and you, also when you've bought an argue, you probably can't afford to eat. So, you yes, know, you might as well have a nice You might as well <laughs> position it in a place you can look at it all day yeah, exactly. and all night. Yeah. First thing you look at in the morning, last thing you look at at night and just don't as ever you, look at your bank account. <clears throat> yes, draining away. Draining. But, um, <laughs> if you've got a kitchen diner, I think it's easier. And actually, I mean, my... So I've got a really quite, I suppose, a statement table. I mean, it's like a slice of tree, isn't it, with with mm. mid-century modern chairs around it. You've got, obviously, there's quite a lot going on in your kitchen with the wallpaper and the dark units, but you've created a little kind of breakfast booth area, haven't you, with your little seating plan. So that draws the eye as well. Yeah, yeah. It's about creating different focal points within a space. And especially if you've got open plan spaces where you've got more things going on in one room, like you say your kitchen dining room, for example, then there's two focal points, isn't there? I really like Matt Gibbard's point, who was the Modern House uh, estate agent that we interviewed episode six of the last series when he said he really hated spotlights highlighting the island like the island was some modern art yeah. plinth that we must I thought that was so interesting because you see that done so much or pendant yeah. lights over the island as if to say we've got an island whoop, well whoop, and also we've made it most, we're gonna highlight most people it. That island has a function. So mine has a hob in it. Other people might have a sink in it. I think you've got to have a very big kitchen to have an island which is just an island, if you see what I mean. So what you're saying is that you have this island, you put a fairly boring function on it, like, you know, a hob or a sink, and then you have a whole load of lights going, look at this. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I thought that was just quite interesting because I think lots of people do think of highlighting that island. It is a bit yeah. of a box-ticking thing, isn't it, having one? You can tell I haven't got one. It doesn't sound, like, remotely grudgy, do I? One day you'll have a new one kitchen day. and we'll remember I'll this point island. and we'll have the biggest island yeah. in Sussex. I will, it's going to be And we'll massive. all be going, Sophie, do you remember when you thought an island was a waste it's of time? be like six meters long and I'm going to hang hundreds of lights down it. No, moving on. So you don't necessarily, you know, don't think that the island has to be the be all and end all and it could be, yeah, something else within the space. I think the key is I always like hanging artwork in a kitchen. I think that's a great thing to do just to get rid of all the boxes of cupboards and cabinets and bring some texture in, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's the same in the bathroom, isn't it? It's really nice to, you know, hang a picture in a bathroom. I mean, obviously, not the family Picasso, but some nice Why prints not? or something. Well, it depends on how well ventilated your bathroom is. I'm, when well, I think about that, this is really that, interesting because I'm going to hang a really, really quite special piece of artwork in my bathroom when I've done it. And I've designed the whole bathroom around this piece of artwork, but it is an acrylic. It's original, but it's an acrylic. And you've got a window in your bathroom. You know, I'm yeah, thinking no, to... I've got... No, Kate, I don't ventilate my bathroom with the window. We had this conversation in another Have podcast. We? Yes! You don't... Oh, I've forgotten. Because I don't leave my windows open 365 days of the year because I live in oh, Britain. Oh, I do. Is that the conversation really we had? cold in the winter. I have an air extractor. It's like modern newfangled thing that sucks all the moisture out of a bathroom. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's not even I've a got... 21st century invention. It was a 20th century invention. <laughs> Do you know what? I've got an air extractor fan thingy in my bathroom, but I never turn it on because I open the window. No, there you go. <laughs> but no, I tell you, what I'm thinking back to is I remember, you know, a lot of people living in flats and you have bathrooms which are sort of converted right into the middle of the building and there's there's no window, there's not much wall space and they're tiny, so it might be difficult or might just feel a bit steamy, you know. If you have a yes. beautiful work of art in a tiny bathroom... I would worry about it. 
I am the voice of sensibleness in this podcast. <laughs> you can be the voice of theory and I will be the voice of sensible. Oh, sensible. No, no, we said you were a warrior, not somebody who was sensible. There's a difference, oh. isn't there? I'm sure about 25 minutes ago I was trying to make the point that when you decorate a room you need to make sure there is one thing when you walk into a room that your guests will go oh that's the thing yeah is there something that they would pick out that would immediately define it as your room that's my theory on finding the focal point well you just made that up haven't you in the in the space of the podcast so far well there we go So we want to see pictures of your focal point triumphs. Do post them on the Great Indoors podcast Facebook group. And of course, we'd always love to chat on Instagram, where I'm Sophie Robinson Interiors and she's mad about the house. Now, I've been thinking a bit about more specialist designs recently and how you marry beautiful form with practical function, inspired maybe in part by the great feeds of Vicky of Wheel Chic Home, whose husband has MS and is in a wheelchair, and Joe of Wheelie Living, who had a spinal stroke in 2018. And she's been doing her house up on Instagram. And she recently did the most fabulous bathroom and explained what she needed to do to make it, in the words of our podcast, really work for her, actually. And then into our inbox came a question for our style surgery from Rachel Thomas, who lives in an Edwardian property in London. Um, and it sounds like it's a you know beautiful house full of original features and she's really thought about how she was wanted to decorate it. And as she said, I've listened to all episodes, some twice, and I've got my red thread, crystallised my vision and streamlined my six-year-old Pinterest board. And then lockdown. And suddenly Rachel had a new priority. So during lockdown, I've had my elderly father shield with me in my terraced house. And uh, over the months, we've discovered some issues. But it's led me to thinking more broadly about future-proofing my home. And I wondered if you've got any advice on what to consider in each room and also how to prevent these adaptations from looking too obvious or clinical. Thanks. Now, it's worth saying, of course, that every situation will be different and every individual's needs will vary. That said, we do have some thoughts about Rachel's situation. When do we not? But first, we wanted to hear from an absolute master of marrying design, form and function. Gordon Wistens is an interior designer who I've worked with on the BBC's DIY SOS show, where he is the design producer on that show. So you never actually get to see his face on screen. But he is heading up the design team in-house who gets to work with the on-screen designers like myself or Gabriella Blackman or Lawrence Wellenbone or even Oliver Heath, who we've had here on the podcast. So there is nothing that he doesn't know about this subject inside and out. And I thought it was also a really great time to talk to Gordon because DIY SOS very, very recently won a BAFTA special award in recognition for their outstanding creative contribution to television over the last, can you believe it, 20 years. Wow. So of course, to welcome a BAFTA award winner to the podcast, we had to roll out the remote recording red carpet. At this actual moment, I'm partly under a desk uh, in a very small office in a very uh, small house in Wiltshire. Yeah, so I'm uh, 
uh, very pleased to join you from partially under a desk. <laughs> well, I know the things Kate Taylor, our producer, gets us to do. I'm sat in the kitchen with a blanket over my head. Nice. So, uh, yes, just just picture the scene. It's all glamour on the Great Indoors podcast <laughs> right now. But just gives people a bit of an insight into how you pull off an extraordinary big build in it's nine days isn't it and, yeah. and I know the first one I ever worked with you on we built a whole five bedroom four bathroom house in nine days yeah like yeah, yeah. it shouldn't be possible should it well it, it really shouldn't but when you get so many people who want to do the same thing all pulling together that's a massive thing in itself so the plumbers won't stand in the way of the electricians and they won't stand in the way of anyone else so everyone is kind of pulling hard in the same direction it is achievable but it is you know we get so many people that say oh you don't do a good job you can't do a good job you know things must fall by the wayside you must take shortcuts we don't it just means that we can get everyone in sight at the same time. I suppose we should just do a quick recap for people who unbelievably might not have ever watched the show. Um, give crazy. us an overview about what is DIY SOS all about. Um, so DIY SOS really is a safety net in many ways for a lot of families and organisations and charities that have literally nowhere else to go. So we we get inundated and it's, it's actually tragic, you know, it's heartbreaking reading all the stories of people who said, I've tried this, I've tried that, there's disability in the family, somebody needs help. We have literally nowhere else to go. This is our last chance of getting help you know, to, to transform our home into something that we can just simply live in. Because often they're, they're families that can't even survive in the houses they're in. Mm. So we then as a production have to sift through those applications and, and select the ones that we know that we can help. Uh, and often I think the problem with working with any kind of disability or any kind of specialist interior is that they're so often so boring, because people have kind of invented, I guess, or created, designed these very basic things because I don't know whether they think people don't deserve anything nicer or whether, you know, they literally just tick a box. And they look like hospital rooms often. So our goal is to give families and charities a space that they can flourish in that doesn't feel specialist. It doesn't feel like a hospital or doesn't feel like they're unusual or different in any way. You know, they're, they're regular homes. And actually homes. that makes a massive difference. Huge. I know they look very lovely and, uh, you know, and we try, we work with designers like you and others that do beautiful designs. But actually within those designs, there are some really quite clever, you know, design solutions. Can you highlight some of those for us? What sort of things? Well, take for instance, underfloor heating is a very simple thing. It just means that if somebody has a disability and they fall down, they're not going to burn themselves on a radiator. The standard solution for that is just, uh, you know, you put a cover on the radiator, but that, that doesn't always work. So we can do an underfloor heating solution, which solves the problem. If somebody can't get into a bath, we do a hoist, but we'll try and disguise it slightly so it's not just you know, a room for a hoist, you know, they can kind of tuck away slightly. Or if somebody can't bend over, often carers, for instance, a spouse or a sibling will have terrible back problems because they're constantly lifting children or, or adults into baths, out of baths, out showers and so on. So we can put rise and fall baths in. I think there was one we used for the Ratcliffe family, which was my first project for DIY SOS. And didn't yeah. that have speakers I mean, that's a really good example because Curly, their son, he reacts well to music. So the solution that we did that was never seen, I think, on the show, but, it, you know, there's a kind of a, a sub layer of all these little things that we do, that these speakers fitted to the underside of the bath and then resonated through the water so he could feel it in his body. 
And I think that's that's a terrific thing, you know, and adds, you know, immeasurable joy to bath time. Yeah. I know you work really closely, don't you, with the occupational therapist right at the beginning of the process to get all those yeah. needs met. Because for, for example, wheelchair users, there doesn't seem to be sort of one size, you know, one blueprint design. You design each home for each family's needs. And they're quite tend to be quite specific and different, don't they? Oh, they always, always. If we're doing something that is non-specific, it, it then becomes a hospital bedroom or, you know, a hospital room because they're, they're generic solutions for generic issues. So we get a very specific set of solutions, not just for the person who has the disability, but the, the family who care for that person. We generally have two lists, or, or rather I ask for two lists. One is what the family absolutely critically must have And that's often to keep people alive, simply to keep them alive. You know, they have various machines that need to be plugged into isolated and separate electric uh, feeds. But also what would be fantastic if they could have. And often that's the thing that goes unnoticed that make the biggest difference. I mean, it's an incredibly big ask of the design team, isn't it? To get all these elements (laughs) in. And I think the other layer as well is, you know, as you say, acknowledging the rest of the family is not making them feel like their entire home's been taken over with disability needs. So making sure the house still feels like a home and hasn't just been sort of hospitalised. It's a really, really, really key part of what we do is bringing the family together so someone doesn't feel ostracised, as you say, to make it work for everybody as a family so they can all eat together, for instance. Mm. Um, I think one of the most unusual things that we did but had fantastic benefits, really, for the lad, we were working in Cheltenham and the lad, Scott, he'd had several strokes which left him paralysed from the chest down. He was very sporty, went to the gym a lot, played rugby and so on. Uh, Anyway, that all stopped. But as part of the build, we put a gym into the garden and he was training for the Tokyo Olympics. And that would never have been possible had it not been for the wonderful people, the generous people who helped design and build and install this garden gym for him. And what I love about the programme is when we're working on it, you you very rarely come across a no, we can't do that, do you? It's quite extraordinary. <laughs> and, um, uh, no, we do sometimes. Uh, mainly it comes from Mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, can, we can't do that. <laughs> oh, he's such a bundle of joy. Um, Mark Miller, who's the project manager, he project manages the build and... and um, in true tradition, comes up against the design team quite regularly. But he's only being mindful of the schedule. (laughs) Just one last question before I let you go. Um, Have you got like a favourite project from all the builds you've done over the six years? I'd just be interested to know, there's one for you in particular that shines out as something that you particularly like working on or you thought was particularly incredible? Do you know what? Well, it feels like an obvious answer, but it is actually true that each of them are wonderful and brilliant in their own way. So I've never regretted a build or I've never thought one shouldn't have happened. But the standout ones for me are a couple of very big ones. We did the build under the Westway for the Grenfell community. Oh, that was um, epic, wasn't that, it? It was a huge achievement. And I think that's something that we're all very proud of. Um, we did the one in Canada Street, which was revamping a street for ex-military personnel. We did that over a couple of years and that was fantastic. But the two standout, I think, homes that we did, uh, one certainly was in uh, Isle of Sheppey, two wonderful guys, four fantastic kids, all with some special needs or another. And we made, with you actually, made that house into something, I think, extraordinary. 
And it had so many little things in it, little kind of nuances and subtleties. I think it was just, it worked so well. It was my first project. It was like, oh yeah, in the deep end. <laughs> I've kept in touch with Gary and Kyle and they're kind enough to invite me and my family over every summer to catch up. And one thing you'd like to know, Gordon, is the house hasn't changed a bit. They've kept it just as we left <laughs> it. Not? It was that perfect for them. And they sort of said, you know, long after all the excitement and the film crew and the builders and everyone leaves, it is those little touches. It's the artwork you've picked out. It's the colours on the walls. It's those little handmade details that actually really start to come through and make a house feel so special. So yes, I'm not taking anything away from the builders. That's incredible. But the fact that good interior design that's thoughtful and lifts you up emotionally, you know, using happy colours and uplifting designs really does have that quite long lasting effect on people. Yeah, well, that's good to know. It's good to know that they they haven't changed a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the other one I think that really stands out for me was for a guy called Ben. He dived into a swimming pool whilst on holiday and was paralysed from the neck down. I mean, it's really savage thing to have happened. He had just started to embark on doing his own house, uh, and inevitably that was never going to happen for him. Anyway, we kind of stepped in, and we we took a house. And then with Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen, we reconfigured this house, we redesigned it and put back into something that he could then be with his family, just read his daughters a bedtime story. He could get into the bedroom through a lift and so on. And I found out recently he's actually back at work because uh, we, we no put an office in for way. him. He, yeah, he's project managing, you know, so it genuinely made a huge That's difference to him and his family. That's really life changing. It really was. And something that I think we as a production are all really proud of. The show has been running, what, like 20, is it 20 years? Uh, well, it's the, it's the 21st year. Gosh. I don't know what will give up the sooner, either the show or Billy, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Oh, Billy's going to be the last man standing. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, he, he'll be stood in the uh, in the smouldering rubble of DIYSOS saying, "Thank you, sausages." <laughs> oh, Gordon, thank you so much, and do give my love to all the boys when you next see them. I will. And thank you so I much will. for joining it's us. It's been a pleasure, Sophie. Lovely to hear your voice. You can get out from under your desk now. I'm going to get this blanket off. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm quite I'm quite comfy now. I might send down for tea. <laughs> was so fascinating to listen to. I like the idea of him sitting under his desk sending down for tea actually while we carry <laughs> on talking. I might send no. down for tea in a minute for the next half of the show. But in fact to come back to Rachel's original question, she's clearly someone who cares deeply about design and about her dad. So she's thinking about original features, but she's also thinking about handrails, seating in showers, non-slip surfaces, you know, everything you need to consider. And, you know, I thought that point, Gordon made it so brilliantly, just because you might have needs relating to disability or to being elderly, doesn't mean you have to live in a house that looks like a hospital room. You know, everybody deserves a beautiful home. So how do you bring in design features. And it's interesting because one of my first thoughts was, oh, you could paint the handrail, you know, to sort of match the walls. And then I thought, well, that's a disaster because then you won't be able to see it. So, you know, pick your accent colour of choice. See, I've talked on the blog about a disruptor colour. Pick a really high contrast, fabulous colour 
and make all the handrails in that cobalt blue or neon pink or something that that really stands out but looks like fun as well. Yeah, that's a that's a really lovely idea. So actually, like consider it and integrate it into the overall room scheme and colour scheme. I mean, one of the tricks that I always use when I'm working on the show is going back to the focal point, create a focal point elsewhere. So the focal point isn't the rise and fall worktop in the kitchen. It isn't the fabulous hoist in the bathroom. You know, I play around with colour and make sure that it's the armchair that really pops out or it's a feature wall or it's a gallery wall of beautiful artwork or, you know, so you just ramp up other decorative elements in your home. So you see them and not the equipment. And I mean, there are so many things to think about, aren't there? I mean, there's, you see seating in showers, I'm not going to say quite often, but it's it has become a bit of a design feature now, hasn't it? So I'm guessing that once you start looking, there's perhaps a little more choice around now than there might have been. And there is, I mentioned earlier, Joe at Wheelie Living on Instagram. And she's documented on Instagram how she redid her bathroom. And she said that she consulted a company called motionspot.co.uk and they sort of specialise in beautifully decorated, accessible homes. So she said she spoke to them about, you know, the layout of her bathroom so that she could get the turning circle of a wheelchair in and the fact that the basin needs to go on a shelf so that she can slide her wheelchair underneath it when she's cleaning her teeth. So I think there are more places to go to now. And, you know, I was looking at her bathroom. She's got a very beautiful wooden shelf for her basin. So I don't think you necessarily have to be restricted to what you might feel were sort of hospital, clinical white materials as much. I do hope that is some help, Rachel. And of course, this is an area where personal recommendations are gold dust. So if you have any tips you can share, do pop along to the Great Indoors podcast Facebook group. Now, slightly unusually, it's time for our second style surgery question. And we have this one from Fiona. Hello, my name is Fiona and I am from Lincolnshire. After many, many years of living in military married quarters, I'm moving back into my house, which is a new build. It was built in 2009 and it's kind of based on a Victorian style. However, it is a new build. My question is, is there any way of incorporating character into a new build? Thank you very much. Well, this is really topical, Kate, because only the other week it was New Homes Week. Did you know there was such a thing um, as New Homes Week? Um, yeah, Cele- yeah, I'm all over it. Just remind <laughs> me. Just remind me what that's about again. <laughs> it's celebrating all thing new homes. And I came in and gave them some tips and advice. So it's something I've been thinking about myself actually quite a lot. All the benefits of buying a a new build, which we perhaps already know of. You get everything shiny and new. You get all those lovely guarantees. They're all kind of like energy efficient. But when it comes to the decoration, they are a bit of a, should we say, blank canvas? Um, You tend to not have... Bit of a box. Yeah, you tend to not have high ceilings, do you? And they're very often fitted with loads of spotlights in the ceiling. Do you know what? I didn't see one spotlight. That's interesting. Do you? No, and these are proper no new homes. I wonder if developers have moved on then. I think they have. There was a lot of jazzy pendant lighting going on in the show homes. And were the so, ceilings um, high enough for that then? Uh, for these pendant lights, they were. Right. Yeah. It was quite a choice design detail. But anyway. 
but I think that's a question that comes up again and again. You know, the, the building regs, you'll know more about the intimate detail of a building reg than I do, but, you know, ceilings are generally lower. And I think that's a common problem with new build houses and also like you in a cottage, low ceilings, pendant lighting yeah. can be tricky. And yet that can be, to bring us full circle, a really good focal point. Well, listen to you in your lofty Victorian <laughs> North London terrace. Not many of us have the luxury of My tall rooms ceilings. are very small Actually, and narrow, though. Very narrow rooms. <laughs> you're the lucky one, not the norm. So, yeah, you know, um, ceilings that are like two metres 30, that sort of thing, is quite standard. But the thing is, in terms of character, is you've then not got the cornicing, the ceiling roses, the picture rails, the dado rails. You don't have period um, architraves or panel doors. You know, these are all things that give a period property character. Uh, but you don't get those in newer houses. So they can feel, as a result, I dare say, a little soulless. Yeah. Um, because they don't have that detail and texture. And to Put it in, in a because I've seen this happening, to mock it up in your new build doesn't really oh, I'm work really either. unhappy Does... about that. That fashion for panelling, I think you've got to be really careful. Really careful. I'm not yes. a fan of sticking, you know, faux Victorian panelling all over modern houses. I think you can do tongue and groove. I think that can work. Mm -hmm. And I think you can do a lot with a paint effect you know, a half-painted or a two-thirds painted wall, something like that yes. to bring in the character. But I would steer clear of mouldings. So rather than having the actual moulded yeah. picture rail or dado rail, just paint a line yeah. and have two colours to add interest. And that bring that can be really strong because, again, when it's the bottom half of the wall, you know, you can go for a really strong colour because partly even, get me, practical if you've got, you know, small children and dirty fingers, but also you're not going to feel like you're bringing the walls in on yourself because you're only going halfway up with that, you know, stronger colour. So it's mm. easier to do that. So that that would be the first thing out of the box for me in bringing in character into a new build is all about the paint. And I know there are um, restrictions with new builds. If you're buying a new, 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 new build, like brand new, you're not supposed to paint the walls. I think it's for about a year to let the house settle, which is oh, a bit desperate, yeah. isn't it? Um, but as no soon as you can, check. I... Well, it, it means that if the walls do move and crack, which new houses oh, can do, they won't yeah. come back and paint it for you and fill it if you yeah. change the colour. But I think that's a minor detail. I mean, I'm with UK, 100% get the painting out and start um, bringing some character with colour, but not just in your usual white ceiling painted yeah. walls. You know, play around bringing the, maybe do a ceiling colour and bring that down to picture rail height or you know wallpaper can be a great way to add interest I think new builds take wallpaper really well yeah they do on all four walls of, of course. course as we have said many many times <laughs> anything <laughs> anything that's going to bring texture because I think that's what can kind of lack out of a newer property is things with patina and texture so even it might be like you might end up just having a laminate floor or a carpet in a newer property and I think about maybe switching that up for an engineered floorboard or something that looks like it's got some saw marks in it or some texture yeah that can help just bring some warmth and some character uh, just the flooring alone that'd be something I'd invest in and I think, I mean, I always come back to this when I watch Grand Designs, you know, and they build sometimes these super modern houses with, you know, loads of glass or even they quite often have very small bedrooms, don't they? Because I think they've given all the space to the living areas. But again, often not particularly high ceilings. And the thing that 
I think really works in a very modern new build house is you've got to bring in not necessarily antiques if that's not your style, but vintage. You've got to have so a bit of old wood. You know, you need to go on eBay and find a bit of old wood or your, your <laughs> granny's old chair or something. But, you know, I always think those sort of super modern houses with you know, a couple of battered Persian rugs or an antique coffee table, that works really well. So if you haven't got the character in the sort of fabric of the building, if you like, then bring in the character through the furniture you're choosing or, you know, have a fantastically jazzy sofa. That's so totally valid because... One of the things I did quite enjoy about New Homes Week was I got to go and see lots of show homes, which is always great fun. Love a show home. But actually, while they might look really impressive, essentially it's just full of new stuff. Yeah. All the furniture's very new, very shiny, very like just straight out of the wrap. And so you've got a new house with shiny, shiny new furniture and accessories. And the whole thing, you can feel like you're walking around a furniture showroom rather than in a real home. Yeah. So I agree, bringing in some elements of of old, something with a bit of history, something with a bit of patina can definitely help bring the character to a new build. And I also think as well, when it comes to hanging pictures on the wall, I mean, I know there's been, there's big love for the gallery wall, but I think if you're in a room that might be slightly smaller or with a slightly lower ceiling rather than having lots of little paintings sort of all over the wall, go for sort of one big statement thing because I think it makes the space feel sort of less cluttered and bigger. As a focal point. As a focal point. I I don't know about that. Yeah, oh, that's that's an original idea. Mm, There we go. (laughs) Not that I'm dissing the gallery wall, but yes. Yeah, again, it is, isn't it? It's like coming up with that lovely statement piece, but making sure that that's got... A bit of character, a bit of um. So in summary, when you're adding character to any new property, don't be afraid to bring in the colour. Look out for places where you can add character with texture. And don't be afraid to bring in something old into your new home. Of course, if you have your own style surgery question, then do email us on thegreatindoorspod at gmail.com. And in the meantime, check out the blogs where there'll be lots more pictures, useful links and information. I'm madaboutthehouse.com and she's sophierobinson.co.uk. And do please give us a review on your podcast app if you have a sec. And special thanks this week to Monkey Nev, who says... I love that Kate says she has taken up running. <laughs> I have too. And that's how I discovered this podcast. Wanted something fun and informative to listen to. And this fits the bill perfectly. Keep it up. <laughs> keep it up, Kate. You've got to keep running now. Well, we'll definitely keep up the podcast. I'm, I'm not so sure about the running, to be honest. But maybe I need to listen to myself while I'm running. Yes, yes. <laughs> but until the next time, thanks to our fabulous sponsors, Neptune. And thanks also to our producer, Kate. Taylor of Feast Collective and of course to you our lovely listeners and we'll see you in the great indoors I just imagine you leading this really glamorous life where you're just slowly drinking all day that's just how I picture you listen we haven't had wine with lunch today because it's Monday but I'm not promising anything for Tuesday we have rechristened it wines day and thirsty day (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) Ha <laughs> <laughs>